Yesterday, 3rd, 3rd January 2019, we were shocked and saddened to hear the news of the passing of Mark Kingsman, the former Brisbane Royal Football Club managing director. Mark was a supporter of this show and was, a gener- and was generous with his, both, his time both on and off air, and we found him to be passionate about football, very genuine and honest. I'm sure he'll be missed greatly by those who knew him well, by the Greater Brisbane Football Committee, and most importantly, his family and friends. On behalf of the Brisbane Football Review, we, we, we wish to pass on our deepest condolences. to another edition of the Brisbane Football Review. It is James Scott and Adam here with you for the Daily Football Show Fan Network. Uh, you can get in contact with us, Brisbane Football Review at gmail.com, Twitter at BNE Football, and Facebook, uh, The Raw Review, which we are still working on changing after two and a bit years. Uh, Scott, Adam, welcome. Good to see you again, yeah, James. Good to see you. Another Friday afternoon in paradise. Yes, apologies for the delayed recording, but we didn't really want to record in the minutes before kickoff on Wednesday, and Friday was the only day it worked. So yeah. we're coming to you better late than never. Obviously, it was a little bit of a somber start yeah. to the show with the, yesterday's news about Mark yeah. Kingsman, and just wanted to echo what Adam said. Absolutely. Yeah, it was uh, sad, to, sad to see the news yesterday, and... Um, yeah, there's no real delicate way to go on with this, but uh, I suppose we need to get into segment one, talk about the A-League review, and talk about the on-the-pitch action for the Brisbane Raw. And I had actually prepared to open up this show talking about, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same, but that really hasn't been the case the last two weeks in the Raw's two games under Darren Davies, has it, Scott? No, it's night and day almost in terms of the way they play. It's almost like the Brisbane have got their Raw back. With the way, <laughs> oh, I know, I've been working a... on that all week, mm. to be honest, but... Should we it... start recording this again? Just no. To... <laughs> no, we're going to leave that in just to see what people say. But they have it's more of a possession style. The pressing is back from the front. It's been really good to watch. and It's been highly effective in the two games. You think about the fact they probably could have got something away to Sydney last week, but for a penalty miss and saved. There is yeah, a difference. Sa- it's your bug where it saved, and also against Newcastle, they were very good as well to get a point. So it's been much improved, albeit in a week. Certainly, we've got yeah two games to review. Obviously, Saturday night's two-one loss in Sydney and the two-two draw down in Newcastle. And Adam, what's your overall takeaway from the last seven days? Look, um, if you if you looked at it based on just results alone, you say you know what they're you know still one win in eleven games now. But I guess you've got to actually watch the game itself. That you know the style, the style and sort of the I guess the confidence is starting to come back again for the Raw. And look, I don't think it's going to be too much longer before they start hitting results because I think. They're starting to to you know find you know find themselves again almost and look you know I think I think the fans in general I think would be pretty happy albeit the results probably not going their way. Yeah, absolutely. Like 
results haven't been there yet, but we have seen a lot more encouraging performances as well. Like, obviously, one of the big standouts over the last week has been Joe Coletti for me. Yeah. The energy he's brought to midfield, it's one of the problems we've talked about since October, really, and the fact that he's really giving them that, them that engine in midfield, and it seems to be freeing up Matt McKay and Alex Lopez as well. Yeah, he really did rejuvenate the midfield, particularly in the first game against Sydney. It was really noticeable. The energy he provided there, and you're right, it did unleash Matt McKay to play more free as well. I thought, and Lopez was better as well. I think that trio works a lot better. Just as a three, it's more mobile. And it brought more energy to the side. And the other thing is, Darren Davies hasn't really had any time yet to work on anything. You think he came in 24 hours before a game, then he had two days before a game, and now he's got three days basically to prepare for a game. He hasn't had any time yet to really work with the side. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that like has come out since we did our special, which I think was actually our highest rated episode of the season last Friday. Um, yeah, we had the news come out that uh, Darren Davies showed up to training Friday morning along with the rest of the squad and was told, yep, John's resigned, that's it. So we haven't really had a chance to see him do too much in terms of training, but it seems, whatever he is doing seems to be working. Yeah, look, I think it's it's interesting. Though. I think he's just he's making um, the best of, you know, I guess of a, an unknown situation. Like you, you're right, you know, it's very very he, it's very very little time to put his own mark on the team for himself. And um, look, if if that's what it's got to come, obviously, you know, being a a coach that's sort of background in youth, and he's given the youth movement a chance. Um, and and look, it's. I guess it's at this stage when you when you're second from bottom and you know at the moment it's about the performance more than the result. I think you know a lot of people would say you know this season's almost away and gone. So at least you know give the youth, youth guys a chance. And so far they're actually they're actually showing um, a little bit and showing a bit of promise. Um, Joe Coletti, Dane Ingham especially, I think we should make mention that in the game in Sydney he was he was brilliant and um, yeah. Well, that's actually the word that I suppose could sum up uh, the last week or what we've seen on the pitch anyway, is just that, promise. I think what we've seen, yeah, as you mentioned, like Dane Ingham's coming out party in Sydney on, uh, was it Saturday night? Saturday that night. was phenomenal. Like, so, obviously, we know Dane Ingham, he's deployed as a fullback, he's got the jersey number of a fullback, and they decided to play him on the right wing, and boy, did it really pay dividends. He started out at the raw, as a right winger, though, in the, in the Y League side, in his first couple of years here, he was a he was a winger, a skull-scoring winger, and it was... I'm not sure what it was that convinced them to move him back to fullback, but he just looked more natural when he was playing on Saturday. He just mm. took players on. He just went for it. It was really great to watch. And he's still chewing gum during games, which, <laughs> like, if we ever get the chance to sit down with Dane Ingham, I promise one of the first questions I'm going to ask is, how many pieces of gum has he accidentally swallowed during a game? Because <laughs> that's just... So crossed out interview with Dane Ingham then? <laughs> <laughs> that's it. All right, so we'll try and get into the games in a little bit more detail right now. Starting with Saturday night, Adam LaFondre took advantage of a slow raw start and mm-hmm. put in what was a pretty much a perfect yeah. header early on. Yeah, uh, offensively with the ball, the raw are improved at the moment. Defensively, I think they've still got ways to go. And there was evident in this game, it was a bit of a mix-up between Bowles and Pepper to allow him to get through. Because the looped ball over the top to Fonda for the first call, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, there was a bit of a mix-up there for that to go through. And again, a, a slow start for the Raw defensively again. But yeah, it was a good finish from Fonda in fairness. So to so get to a ball coming over the back of you, to be able to head that into goal, it's not as easy as you'd think. 
that, that's a mark of a top class striker. Yeah. I was going to say that you know you, you you can't like you can't apportion all the blame to Pepper and Bowles and why they defended. It wasn't great, yeah. but also as well you could probably count on one hand how many strikers this league at the moment would have finished that off. You know, and Adam Lafondre is definitely one of them, obviously, and he made it look. He may look easy and may look sort of you know clinical, but I can guarantee you a lot of um, A League strikers in this league would have would have blown that. So yeah. that's that's just good fortune. But again, the marking was not great. You know what it did actually remind me of just a little bit the cro- uh, the cross from Michael Zulu, I think it was. Probably because I've been watching highlights of this earlier in the day. But Matt Mackay's ball to Harry Kuehl in the 2011 Asian Cup quarterfinal, I want to say, against Iraq. Yep, yep. extra time, yeah. It was just that yeah. sort of like inch-perfect ball right onto the striker's head for, this. in this case, Adam yeah. LaFondre to Could Berry. mention an, a striker near and dear to your heart, Robin Van Persie as well from the World Cup. Don't back remember in what you're talking about. <laughs> no, stomach. it was in Netherlands. I just <laughs> remember that one fondly. Oh, the diving head. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. One, that one's fine to remember. Yeah. But yeah, at club level... I, I don't like Robin Van Persie. Anyway, we'll, we'll go back. We'll get yeah. into those issues when we eventually launch our Premier League podcast, I'm sure. Oh, dear. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah, that's right. Um, the Raw did respond, though, eventually with what was one of the best goals I've seen them score in a very long time. Yes, look, um, I think they counted 18 passes and in that in that movement and it was it was it yeah it kind of reminds me a lot of um it was the, the goal they scored in in sydney a few years ago which liam miller you know what, finished melbourne? off melbourne was it melbourne in or? melbourne the, the 36 pass goals in melbourne was that one? Oh, yeah. no I'm, I'm thinking of another, i'm thinking of another was one was that in the boxing day drubbing like five two or something um Man, now you confuse me. <laughs> but look, but okay, okay well, no, I've mean, scored before. Let's yeah, okay, let's just say, let's just go with that because I'm, I'm actually thinking of another goal that they, yeah. they actually scored in Sydney against against Sydney. Um, but uh, but yeah, and, and it was, it was, I guess it was a, a finish that you know a little bit controversial. I think you know, but I think at the end of the day, um, VAR made the right decision. I made that awful pun earlier, but that's this is the sort of goal I was talking about. That's a Brisbane Raw goal from back in the day. Passing movement, just yeah. building up, playing around the team, dragging team out of position, and then a bit of quality in the front third, Bochak finding Ingham, and then the cross. I don't know what you're talking about, controversy. That's oh, no, absolutely no, no. clear off the chest. I don't know what the VAR is going on about. Oh, no, no. Like no, I said, I'm, I've got no bones going. I'm just saying that there was actually... Stupid VAR. Yeah, there was actually you know, a question on it. To be fair, though... Live, I actually did yeah. think it was a handball, but having yeah. seen the replays, yeah. it quite clearly came. It was closer yeah. to Matt McKay's nipple than it was his hand. Yeah. It was a really good bit of movement, though. Oh yeah, yeah. The set up for all that all the way across the team. Everyone touched it except Jamie Young, didn't they? Good for him. Yeah, yeah. except for Jamie Young, he's the only player who didn't touch it. So that's right. So yeah, good goal. Unfortunately, that lead wouldn't hold, and it turns out Sydney FC would take a two-one lead through Adam Lafondre again. Really getting sick of that guy. Yeah, there was just too much space for this guy. I think um, the Fox guys really analysed this one well on television after the game. There was too much space between the midfield and the defence. and I think it was Brosk who just capitalised on it, playing in Zulo and then the cross to Lafondra. It was well worked from Sydney, but not great defending it from the team from the Raw there. Certainly. Then, of course, well, with about 10 minutes to go, the Raw had a chance to equalise with what was a pretty clear penalty yeah. overall. It was... Mm-hmm. I'd call... I think oh, that's it's a clear yeah. penalty. I'm just... Hmm. I'm not happy with what happened after it. What, the VAR delay? Yeah. Do you think that played a role in Adam Taggart maybe not having the best shot? It can't help. I mean, you've seen a lot of times strikers taking a penalty when they've got to wait three or four minutes. They can kind of, cut, kind of doubt themselves because a lot of players taking a penalty just think of it one spot, I'm going to put it there, walk up and take it. 
when you've got four minutes to think about it, you yeah. start doubting yourself, and that, it can't help. This is this is where I actually wonder if maybe Adam Taggart's a little bit too smart for his own good. This is where you want a dumb striker where they just say, "Ooh, goal, shoot." Yeah. <laughs> also, his confidence as well. He hadn't scored yes. for a few weeks beforehand. I wouldn't have been the most confident stepping up to take it, but he did score a couple earlier in the season, so you can understand why he did take it. And also, just speaking as a one-time goalkeeper and semi-professional pest. During that VAR delay, all I would have been doing is just talking to Adam Taggart. If I was the keeper, I would have just been saying, which way are you going? Which way are you going? Bottom left. Go bottom left. Yeah, exactly. I'll dive right. You go left. And also, I just do want to get onto my bugbear. There's a difference between a penalty save and a penalty miss. That was a save. Give the keeper some credit. And that's exactly where I was leading with that, is that it still wasn't the greatest shot uh, penalty take from... um, Adam Taggart, but you know, credit to Andrew Redmayne. He still have to get down. He still to stop it. Uh, I was, I was a little bit critical as well. I think we'll we'll talk about it in in a chat at the time. Um, the lack of urgency to actually try and you know gather the rebound after um, Redmayne saved that. That basically Sydney basically yeah. out um, outrushed them to get to get to the um, to get to the loose ball. So I think that also as well was you know that if you want to be hypercritical, um, that's something you probably look at. Yeah, Sydney were definitely more urgent. But mm. I want to go back to the actual VAR decision. I mean, they're supposed to be a high threshold, right? Yeah. So what is Craig's? I think it was Craig's out of the VAR official. And like, what's why is he interfering with that? It's a clear foul. Seems a low. The referee mm. has said it's a penalty. I mean, it's not going to be overturned. Even though, did he go over there and look at it, the referee? Yeah, it, yes, sure he did. I don't understand even why he called him over yeah. because it's a, there's did. contact in the box. The referee has judged it's a penalty. There's, it's not clear or obviously a mistake. To me, it's I, I there's don't, no I don't reason like, to get involved. I don't like casting dispersions, um, but it but seems as though, anyway. yeah, it seems as though the coincidence is that a lot of these VAR controversies at three or four minutes revolves around Craig Zetter being the man in the in the in the bunker. Oh, like, that was a conspiracy you go for. I thought you were going to go for Sydney FC. Then. No, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it just it just seems though that he when when it's when it's a re, when it's actually a full time referee like or former ones in say Chris Griffiths Jones or that it seems though that it's a lot smoother. Whereas Craig Zetta seems to and look correct me if I'm wrong if, if you know I'm sort of you know way off base. I hope it was him. Now I've said that. Yeah, I'm pretty right. sure it was. Yeah, but it just yeah because it just seems though that a lot of decisions take a lot more time. And look, I I agree. Why if it's Unless there's a clear and obvious reason to overturn the decision, why is it taking three or four minutes? And I'm not going to make you, excuses you for Adam Taggart. early but... two in the season, the Melbourne Derby and the Sydney Derby one. After that, they kind of said, we're going to have an extremely high threshold. And Go for a little a few... bit closer to what we saw at yeah. the World Cup. Yeah, and it just, so it's worked quite well for a few weeks there. This one, just I don't know why they got involved. Maybe, I... maybe I wouldn't care so much if it wasn't a raw player involved, but it did take way too long to confirm what seemed like a pretty damn obvious penalty. Well, I I'm going to kind of go a little bit in a different angle about this and just say, if you're Craig Zetter, you're obviously trying to... Maybe you're not a full-time video ref. How much of that is weighing on your mind thinking, okay, well, clearly the best of the best are doing this like Chris Griffiths-Jones. Like, if I do well, am I going to get, I suppose, quote-unquote, promoted up to doing this more often? So I want to make sure I get this right. Maybe. I mean, he does do a fair few games anyway. I think he's one of the permanent full-time... Video rest, isn't it? But I'm just yeah, but I'm just saying like I wonder yeah. if that is something that weighs on his mind where he's like, Well, I've got the power to get this right yeah. make sure I get this right. I want to have yeah. give this every chance. And in fairness, I'm pretty sure he was an on field referee at one stage as well. Oh yeah, he has so, been for yeah. sure. In anyway. the A League, so anyway. Yeah. And then unfortunately, despite pouring a lot of men forward, the rule couldn't find an equalizer. That was actually encouraging as well. There was you don't, didn't see that much on the John was taking midfielders off or defenders off, putting strikers on, really chasing a game. That was really good to see. 
Yeah, well, it was a bit of a case of... I actually... And this will carry over into the Newcastle game as well. There was a little bit of a... Well, what have we got to lose from here? Like, if you're Darren Davies, you're thinking, okay, I've still got the interim tag, so what's the worst that can happen? I go back to being yeah, an assistant. Under Alusi, we kind of see, like, in that situation, midfielder off, midfielder on, more of a like-for-like sort of swap. Maybe, like, yeah, like, Davies just defensive. went, nut. Nah, we're going for this. Yeah. You're doing the old FIFA thing, yeah. ultra-attacking, and yeah. just putting, like, eight strikers on. Is that what we're going to call it? The FIFA thing. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Cool. Okay, that's the official term on this podcast. Yeah. Anyway, Wednesday night, the Raw did pick up their first point since, what, round four? Uh, in a 2-2 draw at McDonald Jones Stadium. Now, I said before this game, like, I couldn't have picked this. There was way too much potential for a late you've-got-to-be-kidding-me goal. Now, the you've-got-to-be-kidding-me goal wasn't actually the last one of the game, but (laughs) the Raw did manage to pick up a draw. And one thing that really jumped out for me in this one was the fact that they're trying the passes that maybe we haven't seen them have the confidence to attempt. Now, not a lot of them were sticking, especially early on with the slow start, but... They at least said, you know what, we're going to give this a try and see yeah. how we go. The first goal is really indicative of that. I mean, the pepper passed into midfield. It, was a, it wasn't the greatest of pass, but it's a pass you would see from the raw in the Antipostokoglu days where you would just mm. build out from the back. And remember Antipostokoglu away to victory. Remember the game they lost that season when they won the double? The, the only game they lost to Vic was victory, and there were a couple of defensive errors playing out from the back, and he said, look, I'll cop every mistake they make. Blame me, because I want them to do that. And after that, they just grew in confidence. So I, I hope, and I'm pretty sure Darren Davies would have the same sort of message. Just keep trying it, because it's going to get better. And when you haven't played that way for a few years, it takes time to get back to it. So it's only natural to expect there's going to be a bit of teething problems with that style. And that's, I think, where the first goal came from. Certainly. Yeah, and that's, um, yeah, like I say, again, you know, you know, Jacob Pepper, you know, he did cop a lot of flack for that. But you got, again, you got to also give credit, you know, Dimi Petratos, he... Um, he still did a lot, and even as well, like, you know, Aaron Reardon, you know, debut, you know, six minutes in the game, he's gone marauding, Dimi Petras coming at him. Look, I don't think he could do much more than what he did. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's quite a shame, actually, that, you know, we're sort of moving, moving on about as far as, you know, Aaron Reardon, that, you know, he had, he had a rough game for his debut, but, you know, it still, it still, it still was a good performance, you know. You know, it's it's hard now, and we, we, I think we've, we've sort of talked both on and off air about, you know, he would be better off, you know, being next to a sort of more experienced, yeah. you know, centre back like Avram Papadopoulos rather than Jacob Pepper. It's more, you know, you know, baptism by fire almost, yeah. you know, for him. Well, I said this on Wednesday night to both of you. Like, I do feel a little bit for Aaron Reed. Like, he's a talented centre back, but he's making his start next to a guy who, what, barely a year ago was learning to play the position himself. Hmm. So, and that's nothing against Jacob yeah. Pepper. I think he's adapted to playing centre back phenomenally. Yeah considering where he was in the squad at the start of last season. But, yeah, it's not really a little bit... It's a little bit too much responsibility that I'd be yeah. wanting to put on his plate. It was plate. baptism by fire for Jacob Perisol to be the senior leading yeah. centre-back as well. But I think with Reardon, he started off slowly, but he got, got better. Yeah. He grew, he grew into, into the game, game really yeah. well by yeah. the end of it. I mean, he had to come off, obviously, chasing the game with the whole FIFA thing, as, that, as James termed it. But <laughs> he grew into the game quite nicely. I think he showed enough that he's got plenty yeah. of potential to it's just, stick it's, in that side potentially for a few weeks. Again, you don't you don't want to you know take you take you know, basically social media with a grain of salt. But yeah, it, it's disappointing that you know that you got people clamouring on saying give you a chance, give you the chance, and then you know what? Half an hour into his career, people are sort of already questioning him. Yeah, you know? it's 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 really it's it's really disappointing. Didn't see to be too many people questioning him. I think a lot no, of people realised no. it was baptism by fire. I think, and yeah, no, I think there was a lot a of criti- I do agree. Like I think there was a lot of criticism saying he's having a bad game. Yeah. But but also as well, and I, I hate to bring this up, it's also the spectre of Luke Devere not being selected as well, which is driving a lot of that. You know, where I know I'm 
I'm on on your social media saying, you know what? You actually watch you watch a couple of games, you watch all the home games in the youth league and get the reports of the away games, and you, can, and you understand why Aaron Reardon has been picked ahead of Luke Devere. Yet people don't want to don't want to understand that. They don't want to believe that. I think a lot of it is what Devere's done in the past is why people are clamouring for him, which I can kind of understand. But having seen the two of them play side by side in the youth league yep. only a week or two ago, it's, yeah. it was the right yeah. decision to play Reardon. Hmm. And look, the next time you read the story that Luke Devere has played every youth youth league game. I don't know who's spreading that narrative, but don't believe it. We've got, we've got yeah. the team sheets and everything yeah. most weeks, and it's been two games. I yeah. think, look, I, I'm just going to say this again about Luke Devere, and then we'll move on yep. about it. But yeah, sorry to bring it up. But no, yeah, no, no, that's like, like If Devere is fit and healthy, he absolutely should be in contention for a starting job. However, if you know there's any sort of issue, whether it's match fitness, physical fitness, physical conditional health then play it safe. Well, you've seen him play two games. I'll get your opinion. Do you think he's match fit, ready to play? I don't know. It's it's really hard to tell. I know it sounds like I'm yeah. sitting on the fence a little bit here, but it seems like he's still getting by on, mm. as you've said before, like what he's done, what he knows about the game. He's like, he might be a step mm. slower than a lot of, the, like than what he used to be, but because of his ability to read the game, he can still yeah. take advantage of opposition strikers in the youth league. Yeah, that's the thing is, is that, you know, this whole th- this whole thing, it's, you know, it, what, what is so hypocritical at the moment on that is that, you know, is this whole give youth a chance sort of, you know, narrative that's going around, except, except, you know, you put the asterisk against Luke Devere, which is like, oh, the ex-Socceroo, that's, that's not even getting started. You know what, by ex-Socceroo, our good, our good friend and, you know, colleague Shane Stefanudo should probably get a run. He's an ex-Socceroo. We've he he was only up. playing a year. He was only playing a year ago. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to, you know, start talking about, oh, you know, pick Luke Devere because he's the next Socceroo and nothing and nothing else, then a, yeah. I've seen a few ex Socceroos in the Wild League as well, not play particularly well. Yeah, that's sad. I've seen a few ex Socceroos in the uh, game. NPL yeah. as well. So. It, but unfortunately, it doesn't it doesn't help when you've got people like personalities like Nick Meredith who are also pushing this this agenda as well. And look, it's come to the stage where I think the club has to actually they need to come out and say what they're going to do with him one way or another. Because it's it's becoming it's going too much scuttle, but too much you know, too much going on. So, but Our, let's let's move on. Yeah, let's get let's get off the tangent and back on yeah. track. Um, Jamie Young, unbelievable yeah. saves for the second game in a row. That should be mentioned. Like, I I don't know if he's finally back in form from last season, but if not, he's pretty damn close. I don't think he was ever truly out of form. But these last two games, you're right. He was right back to the best goalkeeper in the A League type of form. Mm-hmm. I mean, particularly the Newcastle game. That could have been five. 5-1 at half-time sort of thing with... So the amount of chances that Newcastle had, they really did do a terrific job to keep the roar in the game. And they were able to get a point as a result of it. It's, yep. That's why it's so... It seems like, obviously, all the chatter in is about, you know, it was Eugene Galekovic's awesome game the other night. But you know what? As great as it was, and look, it was a great performance by Eugene Galekovic. Um, look, Jamie Young's been doing that, you know, sort of been doing most of that every week. So anyway, if Jamie looking for a goalkeeper in... The A-League for the national team could do much worse than Jamie Young for shot-stopping. Well, it's one position that I don't think Australia's ever going to be short-staffed no. in. Because you look at the goalkeepers they've produced over the last few... Well, for as far back as I can remember, yeah. even. Like, there's always been a pretty solid competition. So. Yeah, I know he played for England in the 20s, but he was born in Australia, so he would be eligible. There we go. We've got to push for one raw player into the national yeah. team, haven't we? It's, a, it's our gift to the world, um, to the world of football's goalkeepers. We've always... It's been uh, intergenerational that we've always had good goalkeepers. And I think we will for a long time come, seeing what's coming through. Well, I yeah, just thinking back, it probably also does come to the fact that we do live in a multi-sport 
country where you do grow up, grow up playing, you know, maybe a bit of football, maybe a bit of rugby, maybe a bit of basketball or tennis. You just get that hand-eye coordination as well. Anyway, I want to talk about the two raw goals before we uh, okay. close out this segment. And starting off with Adam Taggart, like, it wasn't a pretty goal, but it was a really good sort of scrappy goal for someone who really does need to it was a good run get, the like, get the open play goal. It was a good run at the back post, though. Yeah. For the finish. I mean, it'll do him the world of good, that. To get that goal after missing the having the penalty saved in Sydney, having a couple of other chances not go in, it's it's really good for him to get that goal. And we talked about in the past, if he gets a run of goals, he could be that striker that the Raw need to get 15-plus goals. Well, how many goals did Bessar Parisha score like that, just being right place, right time to have the cross blasted into his foot, and he just has to redirect it? Yeah, look, that's and that's, that's what you want from um, uh, Tag, and that's what, why... He, you know, we, what we expect from him is to, to be there and put away the simple chances. I don't, I don't think we should expect him to, you know, create goals. I think what we, what we should be expecting him is to, you know, to when the chance provides and it's, a, it's almost a reaction, you know, that's what he's there for. And that, that goal, that goal on uh, first goal on Wednesday night was indicative of that. And the second goal, now this is uh, from your favourite player, Scott, Nick yep. D'Agostino. What a perfect setup mm. cross for that. That was a great cross, wasn't yep. it? It was a really good bit of players all from... I think the Raw were breaking forward with Ingham and yep, played it, was, it out to him. It was a great I, I actually cross. first thought the cross was from... Yeah, yeah it was from Ingham. He was supposed to be the right winger, but it was yeah, a great cross from Dagson. He had a really good game when he came on as well at halftime, playing in what they, the commentators called an unnatural position, but he's played that number 10 role quite a bit. Yeah, I was screaming for the at the TV yeah. when they said that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. But he, he was really, had a big impact when he came on. It was, I was kind of surprised to see Kletty go off, but he had a big impact on that cross to Bojack at the back post. Was absolutely perfect, and we have seen Bortiak cut a bit of a frustrated figure the last couple of months, and I think he unleashed some of those frustrations with that <laughs> header, mm. just hitting like the base of the back yeah. of the goal. So, yeah, good, good goal from. It's the good ro- for him as well because he is another player who, when he's in form, in terms of goal scoring form, he could have a massive impact. And he hasn't found that goal scoring form here yet. Maybe that's the catalyst to do so. Certainly, but yeah, it was good and. All right, we'll close out this segment just with a bit of a wrap-up. So, Adam, one point from the two games under Darren Davies so far. What what are you taking away from that? Look, as, a, um, as any interim coach, he needs to find his feet. Uh, look, and the thing is that it, it's very, very easy to write him off just based on the results in isolation. But if you look at the performances, if you actually sat through the 180 minutes, you can at least see it's a, it's in the right direction. And, you know... Look for for whatever for whatever which side you're on the you know whether John Alawisi should have left or not you know at least the club seems to be getting back and playing football and you know playing football the way that we know it and look and let's just see what happens next next few weeks. I'll keep this brief. Long may this style of football continue. It was a breath of fresh air mm. to see, and hopefully the results follow as the players get used to it again. I said it about ten fifteen minutes ago. I'll say it again. Promise. Yep. Like, the players seem to be a little bit more free. There seem to be a little bit more urgency. Maybe it was brought on. Maybe that was, you know, Aloisi's last motivational thing, saying, all right, I'm gone. You guys have to step up now. So you never know. In the end, yeah, one point for two games. Onwards to the weekend, I suppose. And we'll preview that game in segment four. But right now, we can take a bit of a break and come back and talk about the W League and the news. We'll be back after this. This is Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And welcome back to the Brisbane Football Review. It's James, Scott and Adam. And we're also joined by very special guests for segments two and three. We've got Alex from Queensland Socceroos fans. Alex, welcome. G'day, gents. Thanks for having me back. Hope you've all been well over the festive season. Define well. (laughs) (laughs) Well stuffed or... Yeah, yeah. through it, I think. Yeah, yeah, survived. Well stuffed, well busy and... 
Yeah, there's been, there's been quite a bit going on. So, uh, segment two, we're going to talk, obviously we're going to bring you in for the Asian Cup preview, which will be coming up next. But we thought, since you got here early, let's get on to some of the news and whatnot that's been going on. Starting with last Thursday's W League game, we should just touch on it quickly. It was a 1-1 draw for the Raw women down in Canberra, which little bit of a disappointing result, but overall, it's another point, and they're still in the mix for the Premiership race. Yeah, look, um, I, I think it's, uh, I guess we underestimate Canberra, they've apparently know the results since, um, their form since sort of suggested that they're pretty much done for the season, but they're always going to be tough. It's, you know, the two, battle of two traditional heavyweights in the W League, and um, yeah, look, I, I think a draw, I think if it's if the competition wasn't so cutthroat and tight, you'd say a draw would be a good result in Canberra, but it does set them on their heels, especially with Perth now going back to top since. Actually, it was a really good game because the, the Canberra striker, Mule Udzi, was terrific at running in behind in terms of making runs in behind the raw. That was kind of caught Klepo going out, which is not easy to do. There's not many players in the W who have done that, so that was great. And it was also great for Lira Toby to get a goal, 3-3 three and three for her, really building her confidence going forward. And Adam's right, I think a draw away to Canberra on the face of it is not that bad a result. It hasn't all been good news for the Raw women, though, obviously, with Katrina Gorey confirming on Instagram yesterday and the Raw a couple of hours later via their <laughs> account that uh, Gorey's going to be out for the rest of the W League season. So it's a bit of a loss. Yeah, big, big loss for uh, the um, the ladies, which is uh, a shame. So, you know, she's a key part of what they do, obviously. Um, and now I guess the, the big question is how fit, you know, she's claiming that she will be fit for the World Cup, but I guess there's a big question mark there as well, gents. Yeah, well, from what I could tell based on um, Angela's story at the women's game, uh, it seems like that this was a bit more of a precautionary let's play it safe with the Women's World Cup coming up in June. June? It's sometime around June, July. Anyway, yeah, it seems like it's a little bit more of a precaution with that coming up, and... I suppose, well, I think it's a four to six week injury and there's only four to six weeks left yeah. in the season. So let's just play it safe and get us off ready. Because as we've actually heard in press conferences, Mel Andretta says player welfare comes first. And yeah. it seems like this is a case of falling through on that mantra. It's also a good opportunity for some of the younger players in the rule scores, all players like Holly Palmer, um, Anima Graff, et cetera, to get an opportunity. Lee Davidson as well, to get more of an opportunity. They've already played a bit in the W League this season, this is another opportunity for them to really push forward. And they're going to play in finals as well, potentially. But also Which is even sport. better for their development. But also underscores the importance now, you know, Yuki Nagasato and Chi Ugabogu. We're going to get this right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a couple of weeks since we said that. Um, yeah, it, but those experienced players that you know, have been brought in, it, even now with Katrina Gori out, who was a real linchpin in, in the squad, it's going to rely more heavily on them now to be able to do the heavy lifting you know, in the run to the finals. Certainly. All right, so we're going to move on to some more recent news and a story that Got a little bit of um, decent traction today since you posted it on uh, Facebook, Scott, which yep. was the news that Carl Dodd, not David Dodd, <laughs> I got a little bit confused every yeah. Carl Dodd is emerging, at least according to SBS, as a potential frontrunner for the Raw coaching gig. Yeah, Carl Dodd, the former Foundation Queensland Raw player under Miron Blyberg before going on to play overseas and for other A-League clubs has been linked. I think he's started as coaching at Western Pride, I think, and then he was involved at the Raw briefly as, I think, the strength and conditioning coach. And he's now coaching over in Guam with the national team, so he's he's got quite a decent resume behind him already as a young coach. So I think we're going to see a lot of coaches linked. I think people overreacting to one of the first coaches linked is not always ideal because I think there'll be a few more coaches linked before we get to the end of this story. But I think on the face of it, he seems like a reasonable candidate to consider. Certainly, and at this time of year, you also probably got to take a little bit of note of the fact that you've got coaches, agents who might be saying, 
By the way, mm-hmm. our guy's available. Anyone who's interested, like a certain um, ex-Liverpool glory and North Queensland theory <laughs> legend. <laughs> right, Alex? Robbie Fowler, hey? Yeah, that's... Um, we uh, I wonder if they'll need show. a translator or not. <laughs> He's not Harry Redknapp. Yeah, true. But that Scouse accent, ooh, that that can be a tough one to uh, decipher sometimes. Yes, well, yeah. Robbie Fowler's interested in the raw coaching job. If we're being totally honest, I am too. Yeah, so am I. <laughs> Why not? I'll throw my in the ring as well. Adam, would you like to be our assistant? Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. We have to have a swear jar. <laughs> yeah, as no. a loyal Evertonian. Oh, like I'll never forgive him for that, but also as well, nah. No, thank you. Look, yeah. at the end of the day, we, we want someone experienced, you know. Like, again, this would be a case of Robbie Fowler coming over. This is about as nice as I'll ever say. About It'd be about him getting experience over here to eventually go back to England try and pat his direction, mate. You know, at this stage, not for our club. Didn't he have a very brief coaching stint in Thailand as well? Yeah. Yeah, I think he did, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. Either way, it's not, it's not the ideal candidate. But if he wants to interview for the job, why not? If you want to interview, but yeah. as a Man United fan, given the clubs he played for, not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> not a chance. <laughs> That's it. And now also, with uh, it being 2019 in January, it's the transfer window, which is probably one of our favourite times of year where people tend to lose their minds because no, no moves were made in the first 24 hours. I mean, just look at what's happening with Aaron Ramsey. So, with no the, moves for the Raw anyway. Other clubs have made moves. Yeah, a couple of them, including what Wellington signing a six foot five striker. So clearly, mm. I think uh, the Raw defenders might need to take a tennis racket out when they're trying to defend him. <laughs> yeah, swap, or, the, swap or those crosses. They can go get one from Yoronga. There's a few over there at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So I want to focus a little bit on the Raw squad right now. Sixteen players out of contract at seasons, and per what we know at the very least, mm-hmm. goalkeeper Brendan White. Would you keep him? You asking me? Yeah, I would keep him as a backup. I'm I looking right at you. I, I was looking down. Yeah, I would keep him as a backup. He hasn't really had a chance yet. But if you're looking for backup goalkeepers, someone who's played quite well in the MPL and the FFA Cup, there's no real need to change that. Yeah, tough to agree with yourself, Scott. Um, I mean, uh, you know what? Um, obviously, it's going to be quite difficult to uh, dislodge um, Jamie Young, but um, not a bad person to learn from as well. Um, look, it all depends on where where they decide to get with Mac Freak. I think he's only, he can only be playing you know, M, you know MPL and MYL for so long, and whether that they decide to you know give him you know a pro contract soon. Look, he, for mine, he, he deserves it, but it's whether they can keep on giving him game time, sort of in the in, in sort of in lower into sort of lower grade, rather than sort of you know have him still on the bench. Because like, I think we all agree, Jamie Young is going to be the number one at Brisbane for a very long time, or at least the number twenty one. Yeah. Yeah. I think no, Frake is the third choice option. Is that really good third keeper in the youth team? And it's probably the best option for him going forward. He might, for have, like he might have one anyway. or two years left anyway down there, so then the more games he can play, the better he will be in the long run. So maybe having Brendan Wise that, you know, that number two goalkeeper, I think you know, it gives it also gives him time. Certainly. Now we're gonna move on to the defenders. Now we touched on this a little bit in segment one, so I don't want to get into too much <laughs> too much about it. But Daniel Bowles, Luke Devere, Stephanie Gro, Avram Papadopoulos and Jacob Pepper. Now I still love the idea of first name that jumps out to me is Jacob Pepper, I'd actually keep him. Yeah, I mean, he's, well, he, I, I think, mean, he's been playing as a defender, but is that his best position? Even like, uh, I, I think it is. Like, yeah, he, yeah. Well, okay. as a midfielder, he's a bit of a, I suppose, a defensive-minded yeah, guy anyway. And you've got enough of the, you know, there's enough there really. And in look, the squad. if he is your depth option on the bench, you know, your first, like your first substitute defender as well, like. Mm. I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. I necessarily want him playing 27 games yeah. as your first choice centre back, but yeah. 
you bring him you bring him in as you know your first cover in case of injury. Why not? I think this is a position as well where you're looking at massive upgrades, massive massive change at the end of the season in terms of probably at least one starting centre back, maybe two. Yeah, but I think that's a position to maybe keep one of these guys around as a, that experienced backup. But I think this is a position that needs to be changed a bit over the long off season. And again, it should be the new coach who makes that decision as well because we're talking about it now, but. Particularly with foreign players, if you can bring in a visa player, the new coach has to bring those in because they're so important that they get those right and the players that they need. And you also don't want a repeat of what happened with uh, Western Sydney and Ruin Tongnik. Yeah, what's well, uh, <laughs> exactly? But I think yeah, I think you know, I'd be shocked if more than probably four of that five are still the club at the end of this season. I think I think that there'll be plenty of movement in that in that defence. I think yeah, I do think the whole centre back sort of you know. Brigade, I think that's going to need a refresh. I think maybe even it would be worth using a visa spot you know, to, to try and at least fill one half a centre-back role. Why not? And I, I'm not going to get your input on this because, quite frankly, we don't have the time to go off on that tangent again. But we don't know if Luke Devere is healthy. But if he is, if, and that's a huge, huge, huge if... I would be telling his agent, go shop yourself around in January and see if you can get a move elsewhere. Four out of five, that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> uh, midfield, obviously, Joe Coletti... Quickly, yes, 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 I assume. Absolutely. Yeah. The, yeah. the first name on this list of 16 that you would go to and give yep. a contract to. Uh, Brett Holman, Thomas Christensen, Alex Lopez, and Matt Mackay. Now, I I actually think this is Matt Mackay's last season, and Alex Lopez I would re-sign. Holman, I think, is just physically done. Yeah. yeah. And Thomas Christensen is... Yeah. Thomas Christensen. I think I think yeah, with, with uh, Christensen, I think he served yeah. his time. He's been a great you know, servant for the club, but I think you know, as a visa player... You expect more, and I think yeah. he's probably he's probably past it now. And now I think probably better due to him. I think. I yeah, I want yeah. to get into a little bit more detail with Christensen another week. Lopez as well. I think it's going to come down to the new coach and how they want to play, and if he fits into those plans. He's been a terrific addition to the squad this year, and hopefully there's a spot for him. But it depends on the new coach. With Mackay, not Mackay and Enrique, I think they're two special cases. We always have to put them to one side and say, look, if they are leaving, they need to be managed out and carefully. Yeah. Let go because they're such important club legends. I think, I think, as I've said, those two guys with Enrique and Mackay, you know, they, it's almost they write their own ending yeah. as they want it. You know, if they if they can go again, then you know, so, so be it. You know, I think you don't want to get a situation with either those two guys where you actually basically push them out the door. But that being said, you also want to maybe let them know, kind of like mm. what we were suggesting with Thomas Broich two years ago, let the coach make their squad decisions and say, look, you're not going to be a priority to re-sign, but if mm. In a month, we still need you. Okay. As I think, as players in the squad, they both can serve a purpose. Just yeah. first eleven players, they're they're no longer at that level. Yeah. Now, the player that I've actually earmarked as I suppose the replacement on Rike role is Dylan Wenzel Halls. Now we've seen enough, uh, and Alex is giving me a knowing look because obviously your Queensland Soccer fans partner Liam is, I think, the president, chair, treasurer, and secretary <laughs> of the Dylan Wenzel Halls fans. And don't forget the junior executive chairman. <laughs> <laughs> Most importantly, yeah, that's right. Shout out to Liam for that one. Yeah, we've obviously seen plenty of potential from Wenzel Halls, and I, I'd happily have him back, as I would Shannon Brady. Even I think if he mm. continues to like get game time, why not? Without want to risk the wrath of Angus B on Twitter, I'm going to say that Brady needs to add more end product to his game. He has shown signs of it this season in the youth league, but I I want to see a bit more from him before I commit to giving him a contract extension. Wenzel Halls, I think, is alongside Coletti one of the most important yeah. priorities to keep. And uh, I was going to say, yeah, the other name on the big list there, I think Eric Botiak, you know, 
look, he he could be the he could be the franchise player of this of this um of this squad if you know if he, you know, back in the season because he's really got to take control. Now he's he's the marquee guy at the moment, and it needs to become his team. And if he does, he, I think they'll reward him with a nice big contract. It depends on the new coach though as well. Oh, with the, with think, the visa think, players in particular, this... there's the visa players are yeah. You can almost have to put them to one side as well and say, look, it's up to the new coach if they fit in. So basically, after all that discussion. He just gets summed up to, what does a new coach want? Yeah, that's pretty, yeah, pretty, pretty much, much it. Yeah. 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 All right, well, until there is a new coach for the Raw, there's not really much we can add to that discussion, so let's take a break and come back with what we brought Alex in here for, the Asian Cup preview. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And welcome back to the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott, Adam and Alex here for segment three, where we're going to talk about the Asian Cup, which actually gets underway tomorrow night as we're recording over in the UAE. Now, Australia is the defending champion, and I don't know, it's not like there's a whole lot of excitement going on around about it now, is it, Alex? No, not much media attention. I mean, it's up to the usual uh, Fox Sports uh, clickbait to... um do their thing there, um, you know. That's okay. Fox Sports don't know where you can say what you want. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, barely any other coverage, I guess, in the mainstream media. I mean, surprise, surprise there. But um, it's a bit of a shame considering we are defending champions, and I guess the fact that we aren't hosting it this time around probably doesn't help either. But uh, you'd hope that there'd still be a bit more coverage. I feel like I can probably go into the tournament with one safe bet. Mm. They're going to be a hell of a lot more successful against India than the Australian cricket team. <laughs> yeah, well, that's probably true, to be honest. But, I mean, Alex is right. This tournament has really flown under the radar, and it's a bit of disappointing. Because four years ago, you think back to the Asian Cup and the way that took over here for a few weeks, it was absolutely fantastic with the crowds and people getting involved. and It's just been forgotten about. I think it's probably also got to do with the fact that a lot of these games aren't on at friendly kickoff times. Yeah, I think also as well. I think the Socceroos at the moment. I think there might be sort of an air of, um, I guess, complacency in a way from from the uh, fan base, given that you know Jordan, Palestine, and Syria—they're not exactly you know powerhouse names that you know are going to draw much attention. I think the expectation is people might be saving their sleep and whatnot for the knockout rounds. Yeah, I can honestly yeah. say, like, if you just look at it on paper, Jordan, Palestine, and Syria—not the most entertaining group, but I actually look at it and think the Socceroos are in for a couple yeah. of real big tests. I was like, about to say, because yeah. that's the opposite way I view it, because Jordan have always given Australia a tough game whenever they played, and Syria were the width of a goalpost both from going through in the Asian World Cup playoff, so well, to steal it's the line, not an easy group. To steal a line from the Mighty Ducks, a quarter of an inch. <laughs> a quarter of an inch though, Charlie. Or 1.12 centimetres. <laughs> but anyway, let's not go into that. Um, yeah, and uh, also big shout out to Mark Schwarzer for adjusting the uh, goalposts for that one as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, but um, yeah, I, I suppose well, Jordan Palestine and Syria, they're not really names you associate with football powerhouses, but they have given Australia trouble. Australia opens up Sunday night, 9pm against Jordan, and They've played each other four times. I know this because oh, I had to do a bit of preview work on this today at work. Yeah, more responsibly. <laughs> there we go. Right, there it is. Um, yeah, and Australia have lost both games in the Middle East against Jordan. So it's not as though they've got a great history there. Exactly. And I think, um, you know, I, I guess a big factor in in the match is the conditions that it will be played in. Uh Jordan, obviously, a little bit more uh, used to those conditions. Australia, probably less so. Um, that does, I guess, play a factor 
in it. Um, and Jordan will be up for for a challenge. Of course, uh, all three teams that we, uh, you know, Australia will face in the pool will uh, be looking at the Asian champions and going, we want to knock these guys off, and we want to get a notch on our on our uh, proverbial. Uh, it's so always been that thing from the West Asian nations about Australia being in the AFC as well. They've mm. always had a chip on their shoulder about that, so they they probably have that going for them as well. That's a good point. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's kind of why I look at it and think it's really important for the Graham Arnold era. Like he obviously came undone in the 2007 Asian Cup mm. with a squad that, let's be honest, probably thought they were too good to be there at mm. that point in time after doing a phenomenal job in the World Cup. It should be said. Yeah. I just think that. Right now, he's got a lot to prove. These players have a lot to prove because of the injuries that have really depleted the Socceroos squad. Yeah, 100% agree um, there, James. You know, there's a lot of um, guys that spring to mind, uh, particularly Chris Oconomides, um, red-hot form in the A-League, but um, definitely got something to prove. Uh, you know, it was, what was it, two years between Socceroos' appearances yeah, before like that, the yeah. Oman friendly, I believe. Um, definitely... I think he's he's probably the, the, the pin-up boy for what you were saying there, James, in terms of wanting something to prove. There's players in the squad with plenty of proves who have already been there for a while. Guys like Jamie McLaren, who's been in the squad for a while, hasn't mm. quite delivered yet. It's a great opportunity for him, given some of the guys who've missed out either earlier, before the tournament, and more recently, to get... Because he's probably getting more, more playing time now than he might have got previously. So it's a great opportunity for him to... Hopefully break that goal-scoring duck and end these Scott McDonald comparisons. Yes. And so I'm even, getting sick of them. Yeah, and even uh, to an extent, probably something to prove to his club coach, Neil yep. Lennon. Neil Lennon said, I'm not afraid to, I think, um, dip into the transfer market as he did last January when he first brought McLaren in on loan. McLaren hasn't been doing the business. Mind you, he hasn't got much of an opportunity of late to do so. So maybe that's a little bit of a firecracker up Macca's backside to... Um, to put some away, hopefully. You never know. That's right. And it's a little bit of a different tournament setup as well, Adam. Now, we've got 24 teams in there instead of the 16 that we've seen for every other time Australia's and, been out. And I think as well, I think that might be also what's underscoring some of the, you know, I guess the you know, malaise over this tournament because there are, a lot of, there are a lot of nations in there that are first time sort of, you know, participating who are emerging nations. You know, I, I think, you know, the Philippines, for example, you know, obviously I have a keen personal interest in myself, you know, had them going, you know, yeah, India as well. The first time they've been at this, I think it's in this format. No, they were there in 2011. Australia what? played them in the first game. Oh. India, so, yeah. Yeah, so I played India in the first game but in... We missed Kassar. a lot of that. I remember missing that because that was actually okay. around about the time of the uh, Brisbane floods as well. Oh, it was, yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually think oh, it was oh, the night I, before that happened. Maybe, maybe yeah, mm-hmm. so bad, bad example, but definitely mm-hmm. Philippines the first mm-hmm. time. It's other nations like uh, Tajikistan. Yeah. Oh, that's um, India they played. Sorry, I got confused. <laughs> Yeah, so so there's a lot of emerging nations, um, and I guess I guess whereas you know it was a lot more cutthroat, you know, in sixteen team format. Yeah. Obviously, having the third place, um, best third place going through four four of the six as well, you can really get away with you know dropping one maybe two games and still progressing in knockouts, which I guess takes off a lot of the the of, of the cutthroat pressure. Certainly, mm-hmm. and yeah, I suppose we'll get back onto the Socceroos. Actually, I kind of want to touch on some of the other teams going around the tournament mm-hmm. as well, and there are a few. Uh, teams in the other groups that I'm looking forward to seeing. First and foremost, Thailand. We've seen them cause the Socceroos a lot of problems, and I think they could be a dark horse for a deep run in this tournament. Yeah, definitely agree, James. Um, I think. Oh, I feel um, good there. Uh, <laughs> no, I, uh, <laughs> anytime, James. Um, just as long as you let me back. <laughs> um, now it comes. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, no, I have to agree in terms of with, with the Thailand observation. I feel that uh, a lot of their players have some really good technical qualities. Um, quite nimble, quick on the ball, move move it quite quickly. Uh, I guess it's always been a little bit of a question with them if how they can organise themselves defensively. If they've got a coach there that can do that, um, I don't know whether you guys. I'm, I'm not sure who the coach is, but I do know some of their players are now playing in the J League. Chanatip yeah. is over there and he had a good season over there, so they're getting really good experience within the AFC as well. And they've always been a high energy side and caused mm. not just Australia a lot of problems, caused a lot of teams problems. Remember the. Remember the last game of the World Cup qualifying here when Australia had to win? Oh, yeah. The one that was like, supposed, they were supposed to supposed to win by a bunch of goals to worry about the goal difference. It didn't quite happen and Thailand were great that day. And they've always been really competitive. So I think you're right, James. They could be a dark horse in this competition. Maybe not to win the whole thing, but mm. certainly to make a you know a deep deep run to the quarters or even semis. Yeah, I look for for me. I think the, the I think the team you got to watch out for the West Asian teams. Obviously, being over being over in that part of the world, I think mm. Iran are going to be very very hard yeah. to, to to toss. I think they've got some they've got some really good players, not only established ones, but up and coming players. And you never can discount the host nations. So I think um, it might be. Um, Omar Abdurrahman, I think I think he need, he needs to finally, you know, he's been touted as you know the best player in Asia. I think this does, I think there's no more excuses. He needs to step up, you know, and be, you know, be the you know the, the big player that you know he's. Was he played the tournament four years ago. I'm, he was I right up like there. He was, if he didn't win it, he might have been. Second. He was. He was. I know he got a lot of plaudits for his performances out here. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah well, he was touted as the next Messi or yeah. something like yeah, that. That's yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. There's so many so, next Messi. So if, if you said, <laughs> I think I think for me the dark horse actually be the host nation. UAE. Mm. Well, that's the thing. Like they're not. They're in the mix for sure. Like I think the UAE could actually very well go on and win it, yeah. or Saudi Arabia. The other, yeah. I'm not also not ruling out South Korea as well. The oh. way they've played, the and way they the way came Son's out here, playing at the, moment. the way Son, well, Son's in great form, they played really well out here, and yeah. they're always a strong contender. And they haven't won it since like fifty years or something. Yeah, so look, to me, they're a, they're a team that I look. I think at as the well. undisputed, I think the undisputed fact is that uh, Son Heung Ming is going to be is the best player at the tournament by mm. a long, long way. And when he eventually Robbie gets Cruz. there, <laughs> <laughs> and then, look, they're, they're probably the other ones of of the sort of the East East Asian nations, I think um, Korea are the standouts. I think, like I said, what we saw them in that that uh, friendly against Australia, considering they had seven or eight players out, if they can push Australia to that without those players, they're going to go a long way. And I think, again, but of course, they've got to navigate their way through the maze, I guess. I'm actually going to take Saudi Arabia to win the whole tournament. Wow. That's a big gamble. Isn't them, a big, yeah. Not as big as you'd think, actually. Okay. Are you gambling responsibly? Though, of course. Are they, are they, how many times they change coach since the World Cup? They love a coaching Eight. change in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> yeah. But that being said, I think there's a lot to like about that. They are playing on a familiar patch of turf, obviously, and I think they're going to beat South Korea in the final. That's my okay. pick for it. Okay. I've got Australia making the semi-final and losing to South Korea, so. Okay. Yeah, but I do think it's going to be a little bit rough for the Socceroos. Now, I'll go boring for the final: South Korea and Iran. Yeah, well, actually, speaking of Iran, I can't wait to see them play Iraq because they had a really good game four years ago. Mm, that Can we get a lot close to home too? Can we get the same referee as last time? They'll go over great. Yes. They'll go over great. It'll be a one-way ticket, that's for sure. Certainly. All right, so we'll close off with a little bit more Socceroos discussion and I suppose a big question surrounding that side right now is the same as what we had, what, six months ago going into the World Cup. Who the hell's going to score the goals? That's a very good question, James. Very good question. You and really spent... know how to stroke my ego. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying my best for a, for another appearance here. Uh, but uh, in all seriousness, um, it 
it's I don't think there's one uh, you know standout source as there has been for that Tim Cahill period, um, and I think even the way I mean it's still early on in. Uh, Graham Arnold's tenure, of course, but it looks like he wants that front sort of three or four yeah. players to rotate, and I think therefore yeah. you're going to see opportunities fall to those three or four players. So you know you're going to be seeing the likes of um, Robbie Cruz if he doesn't get injured, uh, Tom Rogic, Economides. What's with the Cruz hate the... around here? Um... <laughs> Am I the only one who doesn't hate Robbie Cruz in Australia? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Just look at social media. Yeah. 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 No. I do think Robbie Cruz could actually play. Like, no, he, he will. He will play a key part in what Arnold's doing, it and yeah. and let's, even let's... if it is just occupying a defender. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that being said, though, I think Andrew Nabu is going to be the key yeah. outlet right now because mm. we, what we've seen so far is Arnold wants that fast, mobile yeah. front third, which is why it took so long for him yeah. to call up a striker like Apogiano. Mm. And well, I think he's going to try and want to run around the Asian yeah. team. Nabu was really good in the um, World Cup in that role as well, putting pressure on in the front third for the two games he did play, and I think he's a big part of it. But you mentioned who's out. Arzani's out. Moyer's out. Martin Boyle is out. Tommy Urich was left out. And Matt Leckie, it's still to be confirmed if he's in or he's out. And if it, Leckie's out, that's another huge blow. So I think, to your point, there's a lot of questions after who's going to score the goals. But a few players did put goals away against Oman the other day. Sucked in Pimperbake. <laughs> and did you see him? Did, did he has, I saw him, The yeah. chrome dome is like... It, it is yeah. coming... He still can't coach either. <laughs> yeah, no. That but, but a good man manager. Is he? Apparently. Oh, that's Probably what... Um, Graham Arnold Yeah. Says, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's his story, not mine. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly. Yeah, We're not I'd, getting over that Durban debacle. Oh, uh, look, for, for mine... Um, look, I, Garcia cleared <laughs> off the line before. Yeah. I yeah. still yeah. have yeah. nightmares oh, about that point. Durban reminiscing. Look, for me, I think... This tournament cries for one of the players who sort of been sort of you know, I heralded like a Tom Rogic to really stand up and you know be you know you know be the man I guess you know because take take, take control yeah. you know show that you know how good he, what we think that he's going to be but then this is this is the perfect situation with the likes of Arzani, Moy, Boyle, Lecky probably out. It's just, I think it's on it's on him to sort of step up and and be that creative force and then obviously you've got the players around him that are going to do a job and I think that might be the key to everything you know if Tom Rogic plays well the soccer is I think might go very deep in this tournament put Maslongo alongside him as well a player who's probably extremely hungry to prove a point after not playing in a second World Cup yeah Yeah, I think he'll have a point to prove he um, stepped up a lot four years ago as well Obviously, mm. scoring that goal in the final. Oh, yeah. And yeah. even even Jackson Irvine, I think, might, might as well. Now, he might mm. su- surprise as well. Mm. Well, look, truthfully, Aaron Moy is probably Australia's best outfield player. That being said, I don't think he's that big yeah. of a loss for two simple reasons. Yeah. One, the depth they've got behind them in central yeah. midfield. And two, yeah. I'm still yet to see him totally take over a game for the Socceroos. I've seen him, the way I've seen him do it for his and club. And he and Rogic, I still don't think, work well together. I just yeah. think the two of them occupy the same place I think you're better off having one of them and if it's going to be Rogic's this tournament I think yeah he's yeah, that, more that's, capable that's of doing my, that job that's as my well. thinking no, no more as bad as it is it's time for to Rogic to step up and not only for this tournament but also as well for years to come you know, it's his position and Aaron Moyes going to have to learn to play somewhere else basically yeah I think too um, like yeah there has been obviously a lot of talk those who don't work together and I think it, it's probably you know 
maybe both for their fault. It's like, they don't maybe... work. It's just Gerard Lampard with England decade yeah. ago. They're both no, it's yeah, just a case of it's yeah, no, it's I, 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 yeah, it's it's unexplainable. I think really. Um, well, I mean, you can say they occupy the same. Well, we kind of have to explain and... it. This is a podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. well, we can't roll a graphic or anything. No, we can't. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, it, it's just it's it's one of those things. They don't work together. So uh, I do have to agree with you, Adam, that. Uh, it, it, it's really there for Rogic to to um, lead this side um, from the front third, really. In a way, it's a little bit like what we're seeing with the Raw at the moment, where there's potential for someone to step up. It's mm. just a question of who's going to be the player that does it. Yeah, yeah. And, and and just one other thing, I guess at the other end, we focus a lot on the front half, mm. but also I think that you know defensively as well. I think that needs to be pretty solid. Sainsbury, Milligan, um, or Milligan probably play in you know that. That screen midfield role. Mm. Mills Degenek had a good game, and obviously your your uh, wing backs. So, which I think is pretty settled. I think yeah. Risden and um, and uh, uh, Bage. Yeah, Bage. Sorry, just because mm. I think or Rahayan Grant. Yeah, well, he's he's, he's going to have a great well, seat on the bench haircut. watching these games. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I want to close off with a couple of quick fire questions. So, trying to dilly dally with the answers, but uh, Australia can win the Asian Cup because. Um, they will be, they can, there's <laughs> <laughs> Darren's dash all over again. Um, look, no, I think because I think they've got class players to be able to do it. It just has to happen on the day. Alex. Pace in the front third. They have the best player pool of Asia. In Asia. Australia will fall short because? Half of them are injured. Oh, taken my one. Um, not claim it goals. if you want. Yeah. You can repeat goals. it if you want. No, Blue okay. Samurai. Oh, okay. Oh, so that you think they're going to lose to Japan. So yeah. that actually leads into the final quickfire question, which is Australia is going to be... Australia's last game is going to be in what round? In quarterfinal in Dubai against Japan. Uh, quarterfinal against South Korea. Well, Grandma did lose a quarterfinal to Japan in 2007. Thanks to Lucas Neal and Harry Kill missing penalties. Yep. Don't know if he scored that day too, by the way. Yeah, he did. Uh, it's semi-final to Korea. All right. Yeah, I think... There are no title expectations here for the Socceroos, but I think we're going to be in for a fun month ahead either way. Alex, thank you very much for coming by today. We Thanks for letting me uh, back. Um, any, anything for the uh, Socceroos? Oh, yes. I have remembered. Uh, so, Facebook, you can find us at QLD Socceroos fans, all is one word. Uh, and the Twitter handle is at Socceroos QLD. Uh, the Q in QLD with capital, yeah. of course. Are you guys doing anything for live sites? Yes, we are as well. Thank you. For I think it might be a very familiar venue for us. Yes, it would be. The uh, very loud and raucous uh, pig and whistle. Don't know if it'll be uh, as packed as it was for, as oh. for the France game. That was a great night. That was, was a great phenomenal. night. Yeah. It was a great night. And hopefully um, we can get a few uh, people out there again for... Uh, the two early kickoffs that we've got. So certainly, like if you are, you know, locally based and want to get in touch with Alex and Lee, and these guys do phenomenal work getting everything organised and everything as well. Yeah. So yeah, get involved, enjoy the Asian Cup because, well, why not? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's it's, it's a lot less painful than the test at the moment. I can guarantee. That. Yes, yeah, it's it's something we can uh, have a little bit of national pride in. Bar, um, yeah, well, no bone. sledging with the Socceroos, right? No, no sandpaper <laughs> no. or any of that stuff going no, on? No, no. No ball tampering. Yeah, I don't good. know. There's no deflate gate or anything like that. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that yes. might be my last appearance. <laughs> yep, get out. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, thanks for coming by, Alex. And thanks, I take James. back all the nice things I said about you. <laughs> we'll be back to preview the Raw's game this Sunday afternoon against Perth Glory. This is Brisbane Football Review.
You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And we're back on the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here. I've just thrown Alex out for his Patriots comments. So <laughs> we're just running with three people for the final uh, segment of the show. Yeah, I echo his sentiment, so I'm not going to say it now. After that, after you threw him out so meanly as well. Over the balcony as well. How cruel are you? Well, who, who knew that I could have such strength? But let that serve as a warning to both of you. <laughs> we know. <laughs> yes, well, that's what happens when you play in cold weather. You get a little bit worked up. Anyway, let's preview this Sunday's game, shall we? Oh, yeah. Probably should. Yeah. So the Raw playing at Suncorp Stadium for the first time in what feels like an eternity. It will hopefully be drier than their last home game. And also hopefully it produces a much better result than their last home game where they went down 4-2 to the victory. Where Perth make a very very rare trip out to the East Coast to play at Suncorp Stadium. Well, they've been sunning themselves up on the Sunshine Coast, I'm led to believe. After, I think they played... Complacency. They, did they play last week? Was it Newcastle? So they played, or they played somebody. No, they played Central Coast on New Year's Central, Eve. That's it. They played Central Coast with on a New very, Year's. very long game, thanks to. Yeah, um, that's right. They played that game, and yeah. then they've been up on the Sunshine Coast since then. Obviously, not going back to Perth makes sense. So, a bit of a nice mid-season holiday for them, and hopefully, they are complacent. You're right. Yeah, they've got. They've really picked the worst possible time to come to <laughs> Queensland for a week, haven't they? I'm impressed mm-hmm. they've got, got a booking up on Sunshine Coast this time of year. Right? So it's not easy. Yeah, I actually, Popper obviously has contacts. I actually mm-hmm. just, uh, yeah, picture. Popper and Tommy Masella and all that just sitting by the pool wherever they're staying on the Sunshine Coast with a kid squirting them with a water. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously that going down about as well as you would expect. <laughs> now, I suppose one thing working in the Raw's favour, Perth have only won three of their 20 matches at Suncorp Stadium. Now the downside for that though, Popovich seems to have done a very good job getting Perth to forget their history. They had, that's very true. They also have won two of the last three trips to Brisbane though, Perth Glory. Yes, they have. So their recent history in Brisbane's better than than that suggests. But yeah, hopefully continue though that streak. Of I winning. just wanted to make the point, all right? Hopefully, I had a stat, I wanted they, to use it. Hopefully they can go back yeah. to winning ways at Suncorp, though. Hopefully. Look, I think if um, if Perth are going to be the um, top contenders they think that they are at the moment, these are the games they need to be winning. Um, a bit like you know, Gosford as well, which they didn't you know, with a plum. I think... They, they, like I said, we know their, form, their home form is pretty solid, but what's going to bring their title charge undone is dropping games like this. Mm. So they, they're going to be, they, they should be up for this. Another kind of ease for them is a loss, which means your mate Diego Castro might get a start, James. So that means you can attack him defensively. Yeah. Because he's not going to do any defensive work. Exactly. But anyway, I, yeah, I do feel like overall, with, if the Raw keep improving with the way that we've seen them do so over the last couple of games, I do think they're going to be in with a chance to at least come away with a draw here. Now, obviously, we all want them to win, correct? Of course. Yep. But I do think a draw, like, ninth versus first, that's got to be a pretty good, I suppose, confidence builder if they can hold the, what has been the form side of the competition so far to, at the very least, a draw. Yeah, look, I think a draw is certainly, you know, definitely within the realms of possibilities. I, look, I... I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked if they actually were able to you know to nick this one. To be honest, I think um, they're, they're playing they're playing well enough where it's you know if they get this hole near enough, no near enough sort of and actually get it over the line. Like I think what what it's again what's going to come down and it's been the story all season is that it's the lapses in moments. I think overall the product the whole product is all right. But it's his lapses, these slow starts, and the lapse in defense is what is always bringing him undone. If they, if Darren Davies is able to get that out of them, they're really going to actually be a lot more in this as far as, far as you know, and actually make Perth really work for them. It will be a great test as well to see how the 
this new slash old style of play goes against a team who's flying at the top of the table and also one who plays a bit differently with the back three as well. We've seen in the past this season the Royal struggled against teams who played the back three. Well, particularly at, round two. And yeah, that home is a great example. I mean, so it'd be a great interesting to see how that pans out this time because the Raw's passing session style against that could work very well for them. It could also yeah. backfire really well, though, because we've seen Perth will try and break on the counter-attack. Like, someone like Ivan Franich could actually yeah. play a huge role in this game, oh, yeah. bombing down that right wing. Yeah, like, um, Ivan Franich and uh, Jason Davison, again, whenever we've talked about Raw facing a back three, they've always got to be wary of the wing backs. And, you know, and, and if you talk about a pair of wing backs, that, you know, maybe the exception of, you know, how Wellington go at the moment, it's Franich and Davison that are really going to you know, be a big part of this, which, oh. which means it's going to be a very, very big test for Jack Hingott and um, Conor O'Toole to stifle them. Yeah, I think they actually are a level up on Kakache and... Is it Fenton the other side? Yeah, Fenton and Kakata. I think they're a level up, those two players. Actually, Davidson's almost unlucky not to be in the Asian Cup squad. Sorry to digress, but he's been playing really, really well since he's been back in this country. To be fair, I think there's about half a dozen half a dozen Perth players that probably yeah. would feel hard done by yeah. not being in Socceroos, including Andy Keogh, even though he's not eligible. <laughs> well, they're, they're going so well at the moment. Is Spanovic starting for them yet or not? Because he's started the season out of the side, and I don't know if he's back in or not. I have to admit I haven't been paying a whole lot of yeah. close attention as Adam looks that up. So we'll just stall <laughs> yeah. a little bit and say... Keep talking. Yeah, but they do. If, have... if he's not in this, hasn't been in the side, what a player to add to your team. Because he's... I still think he's one of Australia's best centre-backs, if not the best alongside Spiranovic. He's a actual talent. He just hasn't played much. Mm. I do feel like uh, probably 1-11, to 11, you've got... Every raw player is going to be in for a huge test. Whether, yeah. whether it's Jamie Young trying to just keep out Andy Keogh... Or you've got even Joe Coletti probably having to try and get around Neil Kilkenny, who is, quite honestly, one of the biggest pests in the competition. And I mean that as a compliment. And yes, Matt Spiranovic did start um, for Perth against Mariners in that back three with Alex Grant and Tommy Mercella. Well, the goal destroyer. My, yeah, goal well, that destroyer. ends my theory, then. Yeah, well, there we go. Mm. And we also hope that there are spare goals uh, in the wings at Suncorp yes, Stadium. I'm pretty just sure every ground now is going to make sure they've got that prepared after what happened down in Gosford last night. Well, New Year's last year. Certainly. Now, one advantage of recording on a Friday, though, we do actually have the squads out, so we can talk about the Raw players that may or may not feature on Sunday. Now, uh, missing from the week from midweek game, uh, but back in the squad now, Daniel Bowles and Thomas Christensen. Do you expect to see either of them come into the squad? I think Bowles will be in the squad as defensive cover. I'm not sure he'll start or not, but in place of. Stefan Negro yep. on the bench. I think that's a change that's highly likely. I don't know if he'll start or not. I would like to see Darren Davies stick with young Aaron Reid and give him another opportunity. I accept it's a tougher opposition again playing against Andy Keogh and Perth Glory, but I think he acquitted himself quite well. I and I would I would give him another opportunity in there and next to Jacob Pepper and see what happens. But I do think Daniel Bowles will be back in the squad. Yeah, look, I think it's going to be. Yeah, I think it's pretty much that'd be. Yeah, it'd be the only change. I think the eleven that, mm-hmm. the eleven that's maybe maybe dating him in, um, yeah. starting for start, yeah. for Enrique. That might be the only sort of staying change. But I think yeah, Daniel Bowles in for for um, Steph Negro in that defensive um, cover role. But I think it's pretty much. I think, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I don't think there's any room for Thomas Christensen at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah, like I said, Enrique goes back to the bench. And I definitely think want it... to see that Daningham change as well. Yeah. I think it was probably yeah. more as long. He went off with a cramp, was it, against Sydney? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's probably why he started on the bench against Newcastle. I would hope to see Bonchure. him back in the starting lineup. And truthfully, like what we've seen with him playing on that wing, he does have the ability to really get after them. And maybe, you know, kind of like what we were talking about conversely with, you know, the uh, Perth fullbacks bombing forward. 
maybe they could take advantage yeah. of the Perth fullbacks getting yeah. forward with yeah. the likes of Dane Ingham, who does have that pace to get in behind. Yep. And on the other side, Bortiak, who is still yeah, either a very force good the fullbacks yeah. back or make them defend, or even overload them with the, the raw fullbacks as well, because they'll have numbers in those positions with so with the fullback and a winger against the wingback. It's, should have better overload them there to a certain extent, which, given the fact that Raw do like to use the width in their attack, that could actually backfire on Perth Glory, or at least nullify their attacking threat if they're pushed back into to defensive positions more. All right, now, I think we've talked long enough on this, so let's just get our predictions out of the way and get out of here, because, well, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> so, we're going to start off with you, Adam. Now, we've talked that the Raw have the potential for an upset. Will they pull one off? Hmm. Are you going to put yourself on the line with this? You know what? Yes, I am. I think they, I think it's going to be one nil. You're a braver man than me. Yeah. Scott? I'll say one all draw, but a much improved performance. I think I'm starting to see a little bit more form from the raw that makes me think that if, like that streak is that winless streak is going to come to an end. I just don't have enough confidence to say it's going to be this week. Potentially next, you never know when they're down down in uh, Melbourne against the inconsistent city. But yeah, I I just can't quite bring myself to have that confidence in them yet. Please prove me wrong. It, like. We'll be happy to be wrong with this one, I think. Oh, yeah, it's one of, the, it's one of those win-win situations where I'm either right or the raw win. Yeah. So let's see what happens. All right. That's been a very big show for us. Go Socceroos at the Asian Cup, I think. Scott, Adam, thank you very much for coming by on a Friday afternoon slash evening. Yep. Yeah. Good to see you again, James, Adam. Yeah. And I think we'll be back to our normal recording schedule on uh, Wednesday afternoon. So everyone enjoy the football this weekend. Uh, watch the Asian Cup straight after the Raw on Friday night. Get Sunday to the Raw night. On, night. Oh, Sunday night. <laughs> well, that's what I get for trying to do a fancy closer. Watch the, go to the Raw, watch the Socceroos, enjoy the football this weekend. We'll be back next Wednesday. Talk to you then.